Hey, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to Spotlight On, our occasional podcast series where we look at topics in the marketing and marketing tech news. And I have with me today my colleague Elise Dupre, who is our, our resident Uber expert. Hello, Elise. Hi, Kim. Thanks for having me. Uh, you wrote um, a very substantial piece about Uber, I guess, a few months ago? Yes, uh, it went on DMN.com in August, end of August. And what was that about? Well, it was quite a long read. It was about 7,500 words, I believe. And it was really kind of a, a look at the ride-share wars um, and basically how Uber rose to power, how, you know, it's often considered the first player in the ride-share space, mm-hmm. but there were some other competitors early on um, and basically how Uber rose to the top. So a really intriguing piece and an in-depth one at that. Uh, we all loved it. And t- was Lyft one of the competitors in the early days, or is that more recent? Lyft came a little bit after Uber. Um, there were some other players in there, um, and basically Uber won the game by picking up people faster mm-hmm. and having the technology needed. So it's kind of a chicken or the egg problem right. as uh, the rideshare guy who has a ride-sharing blog uh, describes it. You need enough customers to incite, incentivize the drivers to pick them up. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have enough drivers, customers aren't going to want to wait to be picked up. So that's really where Uber came out. And I know Uber described itself as a software company. I heard uh, Travis Kalanick in conversation with Mark Benioff making that point very strongly. But the reason we're talking today is, oh dear, whatever happened to Uber's brand reputation? Because uh, the news which came out, was it last night or this morning? But anyway, Travis Kalanick, Uber's founder and CEO, has stepped down from the president's Business Council, which is an advisory board President Trump set up. It includes people like the CEOs of Ford, uh, Dow Chemicals, GE, Boeing, and uh, another very prominent tech person, Elon Musk. Um, But Travis stepped down today, and uh, we need to talk about why. But before we do, I think we all know that high-profile tech executives can be lightning rods for criticism. Uh, the stories I've heard about Jeff Bezos, all the old stories about Steve Jobs when he was still with us. Travis has been a bit of a lightning rod over the years too, hasn't he? Yeah, I don't think Travis is um, is scared of controversy per se. I think he's actually quite used to it. Um, he has faced a lot of adversity as the uh, CEO of Uber. I mean, whether it's entering a new market and having to deal with different legislations yeah. or backlash uh, for tactics like raising prices during Hurricane Sandy. But um, he's he's had a long career of kind of doing the unconventional. Uh, Fast Company even reported that he launched a quote-unquote revenge business um, <laughs> to a company called Scour when he launched uh, Red Swoosh. So he's quite used to, uh, to not being maybe the most favored person in the room. He's certainly not been everybody's favorite person this week. Um, just the background, I'm sure everyone's reading the news, you know what happened. We're based in New York City, so this happened very much on our doorsteps last Friday night um, with the President's, you can describe it how you like, Muslim ban, temporary stay on certain kinds of entrance to the country. Anyway, it turned into um, a big demonstration at JFK here in New York, other airports around the country, and one of the immediate outcomes was the New York 
Taxi Workers Alliance, which has a predominantly Muslim membership, announced that they were going to strike when it came to JFK. They were not going to drop off and pick up at the airport. And what did Uber do? What did Uber do? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's an opportunity for sure. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Uber, of course, has that surge pricing, but when demand is up, prices go up. Exactly. But Uber said, and this is, this is what gets me about the difficulty of managing brand reputation. Uber said, okay, there's a strike happening, we'll turn off surge pricing. And I suspect the sincere impetus behind that was not to take advantage of the Taxi Workers Alliance by making more money out of their strike. But oh my goodness, it didn't pan out exactly as they planned. No, it did not. And again, I think it kind of relates back to you know, Uber's in a tough position where it really does have to please both its drivers and its customers. If its customers aren't happy, they're going to do things like, you know, complain via social media or even threaten to delete the app as much of the backlash showed. Um, Or, you know, if they do delete the app, then that doesn't give the drivers any incentive to go out in the streets and pick them up. So they're kind of in a rock, between a rock and a hard place and having to please both parties. It's very tricky. And one of their main competitors today, of course, Lyft, I mentioned earlier, interesting strategy because Lyft sees the positive headlines I think the very next morning by announcing a donation of a million dollars to the ACLU and uh, various measures to support uh, any of their drivers who are having problems as a result of the president's actions. But the one thing, the question I had, and I haven't been able to answer it, I think I know what the answer is, I don't think Lyft stopped serving the airport during the strike as far as I know, you could still book a lift ride if you wanted to. Hmm, that I'm actually not sure about what yeah. the what Lyft's role was there. I did see their email about the donation, right. and again, that is a good opportunity for them to step in, and it really kind of aligns with their brand values. You know, since the beginning of Uber and Lyft, Uber has kind of been seen as more of the professional um, service, you know, being a black car service, while Lyft always was kind of a little bit more of the friendlier, you know, your friend with a car type of mentality. So it it fitted them well to say, hey, we're making a donation. Mm -hmm. It goes along with their very much so friendly persona. They handled it well, and also you've got to give them credit for handling it fast, because I think it's fair to say that you know, if the um, if the nominee for Secretary of State and the um, the Secretary of Defense didn't know this ban was coming, I don't suppose Lyft did as well. So right. Lyft acted pretty quickly. Well, and I think that's just the age we're living in. Everything is real time. Everyone in today's day and age can be a reporter in some respect of saying what's going on in the world. Doesn't mean what they're saying going on in the world is always the most factual when being in this type of in-the-moment reporting. But, yeah, I think you have to be reactive and almost, in a way, proactive in this type of environment. And I think, you know, we saw the big uh, delete Uber campaign that's still continuing very actively on Twitter. Um, But, you know, when you look at the different companies and you say, as, as I said, I stand to be corrected, but I think Lyft and other Rideshare companies were strike-breaking, if you want to call it that, every bit as much as Uber. But I think the real Achilles heel for Travis was being a member of Trump's advisory council. 
Yeah, and it was interesting. I was reading an article about it on the Wall Street Journal, and basically they said that Travis stepped down because his participation was misunderstood as yeah. an endorsement. And I think it just really shows that when you're a public figure like Travis, especially someone like Travis who's been under the microscope and has been associated with controversy in the past, you know, you really have to be careful about what your actions say, whether you mean them to say something in particular or not, but they mm -hmm. will reflect uh, a viewpoint one way or the other. And I, I saw Elon Musk is saying that he's going to stay on the council for the same reason. He says it's not an endorsement, it's an opportunity to, you know, comment on, on what the uh, administration is doing. But when you look at the kinds of people on the council, I mentioned uh, top executives from Ford and uh, GE. Now, Ford is selling a consumer product. Elon Musk, at least in some of his um, projects, he's selling a consumer product. But Travis Kalanick is really selling a service. And it really puts him in the social media firing line, as far as I can see. Because people can go on Twitter and say delete GE or down with Dow Chemicals, it doesn't have quite such a direct effect mm -hmm. as on a business which is offering really an online mobile service. Right. Well, it's interesting. A lot of the big uh, car manufacturers, um, like GM, GM, for example, they are partnering with these ride-sharing services. Uh -huh. So um, GM has formed a partnership with Lyft, and their goal is to help um, with the autonomous self-driving car market and help getting those on the road a little bit faster, as well as providing some other car services um, for those who maybe not be in the market to buy a car, but more so to rent. So I think it's important for not just these ride-sharing companies, but also these, you know, car manufacturers or big brands names that mm -hmm. we've grown up with to be aware of what's going on, too, because they're all interconnected. And it's something we've been saying uh, on podcasts like this for quite a long time. All brands really have to be incredibly aware of the risks to brand reputation in these days of the empowered consumer. Oh, definitely. I mean, they always say if you really want to vote as a consumer in some regards to what you care about, like vote with your credit card, you know? Right. If you don't support, you don't want to support a brand, then don't buy from it. So they're <laughs> definitely the ones in charge. And of course, here at DMN, we like to think that what brought about uh, Mr. Kalnick's decision was probably the very forceful blog written by Keith O'Brien, published here a few <laughs> days ago, and we'll provide a link to that with this podcast, but at least thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Kim. And thanks everyone for listening in.